0: Today, I'm talking to Chris Simpson all about the five facets of health
1: and fitness. Welcome to the Productivity Podcast, the show that will supercharge your productivity fast. Get more done with actionable, easy to follow advice and become a Jedi master of productivity. And now, introducing your host, Paul Miners.
0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Productivity Podcast. Thank you for tuning into this episode. As always, I appreciate your time and your attention because I know how valuable those things are. There's never enough time. So thank you for listening to this episode wherever you are. If you're on your morning commute, if you're out running uh, or just chilling at home, thank you for plugging me into your ears. And today I have a great conversation with Chris J. Simpson, um, who is a weight loss fitness and rehabilitation expert. Um, Chris really does deliver a ton of value in this episode, and he just he just walks us through um his five facets of health and fitness, where he talks about food, emotions, activity, relaxing, and sleeping. There you go, sneak preview of those five facets, and how they just impact your well-being, and of course, your productivity. This is a topic I'm really excited about, I'm really passionate about, because I've talked about before the impact that health and fitness and living an active lifestyle has on your personal productivity i truly believe as richard branson says like one of the best things you can do to improve your productivity is to just look after your health and fitness and eat well live a healthy life and you will you will have more motivation you will have more you'll be more efficient throughout the day you will focus better so love all this kind of stuff love what chris is doing and um these show notes for this episode can be found at paulminers.com slash 54 and I- you're definitely going to enjoy this episode. Chris is actually going to be giving away his best-selling book, The All-Inclusive Diet, to anyone that listens to this episode. All you need to do is email chris at chrisjsimpson.com. That's chris with a k, so k-r-i-s at chrisjsimpson.com. Tell him that you listen to this show, and he will email you his best-selling book, The All-Inclusive Diet, for free. You can't get better than that, people. Okay, without any further ado, let's get into this conversation with Chris Simpson and the five facets of health and fitness. Enjoy. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Productivity Podcast, and it is my pleasure today to to introduce you to Chris J. Simpson from chrisjsimpson.com. That's Chris with a K. Hey, Chris. Welcome to the show
1: paul thanks so much for having me on um you know i'm I'm just really interested in in this chat we're going to have today because uh, i know you're the productivity master the jedi knight of productivity (laughs) i had the worst day from a productivity standpoint so i'm sure we'll get into that but yeah i'm really stoked about being on the call with you today
0: Oh, no, thank you. Yeah, and just a quick um, backstory. So Chris, uh, Chris was introduced to me by Ben Austin, who some of you may remember, was on the uh, Productivity Podcast a little while ago, and, and um, yeah, Ben introduced me to Chris and said, hey, this is this is Chris and this is Paul, and Chris is really into like health and fitness and um, is really knowledgeable in terms of how health and fitness impacts personal productivity. So yeah, I'm really keen to talk in talk about kind of all that stuff because yeah, I'm a big believer that, that your health and fitness and how you live your life plays plays such a huge role in terms of your productivity and, and getting things done. So yeah, it's good, good to have you on the show. Amazing. So why don't we start with, if you could fill everyone in, um, Chris, uh, give us the backstory. Like, Who are you and, and, and what do you do, first of all?
1: Yeah, so I'm a weight loss and wellness coach. I'm also the uh, president of Bodies by Design Fitness Studio. So that's a a large-scale fitness club uh, from Toronto, which is where I'm from. And uh, over the past uh, few years now, I've actually sort of went back to my roots. My roots actually are personal training. Um, That's where I sort of got started in the health and fitness industry about 25 years ago. But um, back into my roots in the sense that I'm I'm really dealing intimately with uh, one-on-one clients and getting their health back in balance. And that really is, is my sort of backstory in the sense that, uh, you know, as we were talking before the show here, the, the cover of my story doesn't really match the content in the sense that uh, on the cover, uh, I was a nationally ranked uh, competitive bodybuilder, actually number one in in Canada uh, some time ago. And also, of course, being uh, the president of a fitness club and being a personal trainer. And I had health and fitness sort of written all over me. I was a billboard (laughs) for that. Right. So uh, the story, though, and and sort of what the story turned into was, was a life completely out of balance. It was a life of self destruction. And uh, fortunately, I pulled the plug before it was too late. And that was all because of substance abuse, Uh, alcohol and drugs. Again, you wouldn't expect, you know, uh, number one bodybuilder in Canada and the owner of a a fitness club and a personal trainer to be abusing himself with substances. But that was my story. And that was my story that I was trying to hide. So I also had sort of a bit of a, a fraud complex going on there as well, you know, posing as a certain person that is all about health and fitness, but sort of, you know, uh, un- under the cover, I was doing all these covert things that w- were nothing about health and fitness. There they were things actually that were destroying my health, my fitness, my mind, my body, my spirit, and, and sort of that was my bottom, Paul, when I, I actually got to a spiritual bottom. Uh, it's the best way I can describe it to you because I just didn't know who I was anymore. I really didn't, and I, I didn't really know if I wanted to be here anymore, neither. And that's when I, I raised my hand, uh, and that, was, that wasn't that was easy to do, Paul. Uh, I had a, a lot of resistance to that. I had a lot of ego behind it. I didn't want to show uh, any type of uh, weakness or, say, mercy, but I was really on my knees, uh, literally at points, and I needed help, and I got help. I got into recovery Uh, It it took a good year, Paul, of of real hard work on me, something I'd never done before. I I was used to working on other people really hard as a personal trainer, uh, but I never really had to look at myself in that way. And I just broke my life into uh, different facets, and I focused on those facets. And We can talk about this later, because these are sort of the the five facets or the five distinctions of your lifestyle that are so important in the sense that they have to be acknowledged you have to be aware of them there has to be some management in those areas and there has to be ultimately some balance and, and that's what I found, and I, and again, I found it in sort of a, a weird way, uh, because it was it was all about, you know, me hitting a bottom, and being sort of forced back into balance, because there was three places I was going to end up, and that was going to be jail, or was it going to be an early death, because I had some serious health problems, I had, to, uh, you know, the beginning signs of cirrhosis of the liver, for example, um, and, and the third option would be going to an institution, and I picked door three and I I went to rehab and uh, it saved my life. It really did.
0: Wow, Chris, thank you first of all for being so um, open and honest with your story. Um, it's really inspiring. So, so, actually, just going back to a couple of things you said. I um, mean, you, you obviously mentioned that you reached this kind of like spiritual rock bottom. So, I'm kind of really curious and how you how you picked yourself up to get out of that. And you mentioned the five facets of health, um, or I can't remember quite how you termed it, but these facets that you five areas that you really worked on. What 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 are they?
1: Yeah, so it, it actually uh, it hit me like a, like a ton of bricks. As I'm sort of working in these five areas, and um, I'm sitting down at the table one day, and I'm, I'm writing them out, and there it is on the paper. It says, fears. Now, this is very ironic, because You know, that's where I sort of came from. I I came from a place of fear. Uh, As you can imagine, I was trying to hide from the world uh, and everyone that thought they really knew me, uh, my problem, my addiction, right, substance abuse. So um, the fears actually is the five facets. It's an acronym, and uh, the F stands for food, the E stands for emotions, and the A stands for activity, the R, relaxing, and the S, sleeping, So, food, emotions, activity, relaxing and sleeping, those are the five facets, okay, I believe in everyone's life that again, there has to be some awareness, you've got to put some focus and some concentration into those areas, and they have to be managed. And of just like how productivity has to be managed, well, those certain areas have to be managed with tools that are a good fit for you. And then, ultimately, you got to hold the balance. And that's no easy task, and it's a task of a lifetime, because there will always be things that throw you out of balance. In fact, the other facets sometimes do that. Emotionally, when we're having a bad day and we're upside down, you can just imagine what's going to happen to our food facet. Some people stop eating. Some people eat too much, for example. Some people sleep too much. Some people don't sleep at all when their emotions are out of balance. So they're very interactive, the facets, and that's why they all equally have to be focused on. You can't forget about, for example, relaxing. And a lot of people would love to do that. A lot of people in our world, Paul, you know, entrepreneurs and, you know, executives and people that are always go, 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 and, you know, getting things done on the checklist, it's very difficult for them for them to pull out of their daily life or daily grind or whatever it is and hit pause and do something that puts fun back into their lives so that they can go back out there fresh and keep the other facets in balance as well. So, yeah, it's a real juggle, but, again, once you get the management tools and and focus on those five areas, you can really have this balanced lifestyle, which, Paul, for me, it's non-negotiable. It really is. I'm still an addict, Paul, okay? So the minute that I get out of balance, okay, is the minute that I start digressing back to the life, that I had. And it would only take one drink or one drug to put me right on my ass again. It really yeah. would. So that's why the, the, the lessons that I learned were so important because I had a lot to lose. So, you know, sharing this is, is probably, you know, the, the, the best wisdom that I can give people just because of the, the, the concentration, focus and energy and effort that I had to put into it, because I didn't have a choice,
0: yeah, exactly. I love I love that you say like these are non negotiable areas that you need to like really work on book and, and so that you don't fall back um, to where you were. So just to recap, we've got the fears, I really love the acronym that you've created. So you've got food, emotions, activity relaxing and sleeping. I wonder if for each of those um, each of those five areas could you maybe explain a little bit more about why are each of those things important and that may or may not be obvious and then particularly around productivity what is something simple or what is kind of the first thing you recommend or what is the actionable thing people can do for each of these five areas to improve their their productivity could we go through them one by one
1: yes definitely so let's start off with uh, food so why is food so important (laughs) Well, first of all, when it it comes to managing weight and being a weight loss coach, obviously that's primarily my focus, it's going to have about 80% impact on your ability to manage your weight, on your ability to lose weight or even keep the weight off. And, you know, the questions that I ask people are, you know, how are you eating? You know, why are you eating certain foods at certain times? Um, So, you know, sort of the quality, the quantity, the timing, the combining, all of these questions Um, I really ask the clients and get them to answer because they're they're so important in regards to setting up that, that facet for balance in the future. Now, the emotions, that's the most volatile facet of all, as you can imagine. You know, when I ask people why they fell off their health program in the past, it has nothing to do with the other facets. It had everything to do with their mindset. And your emotions, of course, has everything to do with your mindset. So it was their emotions that tipped them off. It really was. So that tells me if we can't get that facet under control just through self-awareness and relaxing techniques uh, and these kinds of things, then we're never going to stay on a health program it's going to be a health kick and they're going to get kicked off whenever their sort of emotions you know start to unravel in their head and they just are unable to manage them that's when again their program is going to go down the tube so we really put a lot of emphasis on you know understanding our emotions and more importantly understanding that our emotions are not us because they truly aren't. So taking more of a subjective stance and being able to look at our emotions and and know that we do have a choice in what we feel. We do have some control on our actions and our behaviors, you know, from the thoughts that we are thinking. Now, the activity facet is is something that... you would think is all about the exercise and and this is sort of the the myth and the stereotype behind all health programs that's all about the food and it's all about the exercise or, or as i say the activity but the activity all that really means is how do you move and how much do you move Right. So I'm swaying back and forth here. i got a microphone i got to focus on here. But I'm moving right now. I'm, I'm moving it because this is sort of the paradox of our body, that the more we move and expend energy, the more energy we create exponentially. And that's sort of a paradox, isn't it? Because, you know, here I am moving back and forth and I'm I'm expending all of these calories, but yet, you know, I feel more alert. I feel more alive when I'm moving, even if it's just, you know, swaying back and forth. So it's all about the movement, not necessarily how many hours you spend in the gym. And in fact, I call that makeup movement. You're making up for what you're not doing during the day. You're making up for that walk that you missed. You're making up for that lunch hour where you actually just sat at your desk, for example. You're making up for that two-hour commute back and forth to work where you're sort of, you know, strapped in with a seatbelt to your car, to your seat, and sedentary. And that's how most of us are. So again, movement, not necessarily exercise. Exercise is just a good supplement but it can't be sort of your your core form of movement and relaxing this is a really tough one for people to to actually manage or or implement and there's a lot of things going on there Um, there's a lot of sort of we need to do we need to get uh, we need to do more 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 and relaxing is complete opposite of that right Um, you know there's no real objective sometimes when we're having fun other than hey I just want to have fun and have a certain feeling, right, and take my mind off the the day-to-day. So that's very difficult in a go-go-go kind of society like we live in. But the, the results are outstanding, and there's lots of evidence in that, and in fact, you know, when people actually give themselves the um, permission, in some cases, just to, to take some time out for some fun, for some recreation, going back to things that normally they did when they were a kid, but now they think they're an adult and they can't do, maybe that's play a musical instrument that they always had a love for, or maybe that's some sort of recreation or maybe some sport that they used to really, really love, but then, you know, their health obviously deteriorated as they got older, and they don't think that they can, you know, show up the same or maybe the same as others their age. So there's a a real problem with, with, you know, really stepping into the relaxing facet, and a lot of it is just our ego. It really is. And the last facet is sleeping. Sleeping, you know... Seven to eight hours is really what we need. Now, people will argue this to the death. They really will, Paul. Um, I've had so many sort of discussions we'll call them in regards to how much sleep we really need. But here's the problem. That our bodies are so adaptable that we can adapt to four hours, five hours, six hours of sleep. We really can, and we wouldn't even know the difference of what we are missing in regards to the sort of the creative intelligence, um, and the the composure and the calm and the peace that we would get out of seven to eight hours, and I've sort of, I've done experiments with myself, and I've run a whole week at six hours, and I'm like, hey, I can do this. I'm still getting things done, but but if I was to measure sort of how I'm feeling while I'm getting those things done, I'm just dragging my ass, Paul. I really am. I'm not really having a ton of fun, and I'm not really having a ton of new ideas hitting me, you know, from, from all directions, and and just, you know, the vitality, the fulfillment, and, and these kinds of things which are hard to measure I get more of that when I get 7 hours of sleep I just do yeah. now now for the people that are used to getting 4 or 5 or 6 you know, if they were to implement something where they could increase it, you know, even up to six or even up to seven and run that for a few days, okay? Because the first day, you're probably going to feel like crap because your, your body's adapted to three or four or five hours. So getting six or seven is like, oh, you know, what's going on here? It's, it's, it's really sort of put them out of balance. But give it about three days and get back into balance, and then you will feel... What seven hours of sleep can give you a, a heck of a lot more It really can than four or five or six hours. So that's sort of the, the conclusion with the facets. Now, I think you had another question in regards to tying that all in.
0: Yeah, I was originally asking, like, what are some practical things that people can do? Um, yeah. To, to improve each of those things. But I think you, you largely touched on it in, in your answers. Um, obviously you highlighted with sleep, like getting seven to eight hours per night is, is like a really important thing to do. Uh, just to pick out on a couple of other really important takeaways that I noticed, um, relaxing, like giving yourself permission. I love that word permission to actually relax. A mm-hmm. lot of people think they have to just be go, go, go the whole time. Um, but actually giving yourself the, the permission to relax, I think is, is a really nice little tip. Um, and, and in particular as well, going, actually emotions because as you were talking i was thinking okay emotions yeah that's really important how the heck do you control your emotions
1: hmm. um, <laughs>
0: but, but you, you said it you said like it's it's about um uh trying to be more subjective and, and realizing that you actually have a choice in terms of how you feel. And it's something I tell, Mm. I I, I try and communicate all the time. And it's something I originally read in Ryan holiday's book, the obstacle is the way. Um, and it's this kind of very stoic idea that yeah, how you feel is directly related to like your own perception of the world around you. Mm -hmm. Um, and you're, you literally get to choose how you feel. Um, so and I, I I that's been like an incredibly powerful idea for me when I when I kind of got my head around that concept I was like wow that's uh-huh.
1: amazing. yeah Yeah, actually, Paul, you know, I I spent years as a competitive bodybuilder, you know, in the gym and hyper focused uh, on my body. As if you know anything about bodybuilding, it's, it's, uh, well, it's sort of like being in the army. Uh, It's like an athlete being in the army in the sense that it's very, very regimented. um, and, And it doesn't allow for much flexibility at all in regards to our lifestyle. So, you know, how many years did I focus on my body? And I never really thought about focusing on my mind, okay, or my emotions and developing practices where, you know, I could be an athlete okay, from sort of a, uh, a conceptual standpoint, you know, from, from a mind standpoint. And and that's really where I feel I've shifted. I, I still work out every day. I still take care of my body. I, I still uh, focus on nutrition and health and supplements and all of these things. But what's different now versus before is every morning, I'm spending a good hour, Okay, on on developing myself from sort of a a mind perspective and a spirit perspective and not so much on a physical physical perspective, which, again, I was hyper focused on before.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. Like it it highlights, I think, the importance of of being like very holistic with how you look after yourself. It is not just about your your body and your physical your physical person but your, your mind as well and, and really treating each of those areas um with great respect and importance um i wanted to ask um w- there are lots of co- there are lots of health myths out there i mean you touched on some of them with the sleep like people argue that you can get away with less sleep and things like that what do you think are some of the most common myths that are out there and what are the common mistakes that you see people making in, in relation to each of these facets
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. So there is a uh, concentrated effort. And I would say that this is far more than the majority of people if, if not probably 80 to 90 percent of people that put sort of all their eggs into two baskets the food basket and the activity basket so they think that food and fitness okay sort of that makeup movement that the, the movement that you would do in a, in a gym or or you know some sort of facility like that to make up for the movement that you're not doing doing during, during the day that the results that they will get from a health program are going to come from those facets alone. And that's where they're mistaken, because I see a lot of people that have those two facets, their food and their activity, well-managed, but they don't manage their sleep well at all. In fact, they just don't get enough sleep, all right? Or they take little or no time for themselves, and there's perhaps a lot of guilt and shame in the way, um, and they're, you know, trying to to go, go, go and push, 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 uh, but they've really sort of pushed their own needs out of the way and they've forgotten about sort of all their intrinsic needs and pursuing extrinsic needs is really where all of their focus goes. And um, and then the emotional comp- component in regards to developing habits for the mind, uh, self-actualization and self-awareness and sort of these practices that will, will have us connected to ourselves, to our body. So, you know, for some people, and and definitely for me, Paul, that that was a little woo-woo, to be honest with you. You know, we didn't have too many bodybuilders, for example, that were practicing (laughs) meditation, uh, you know, in competitions or anything like that. But uh, I just know that, in, in fact, I'll tell you right now, Paul, that these practices and we can call them meditation you can call them whatever you want okay just just me reflecting on me and, and spending a certain amount of time every day to do that and dedicating and committing myself to that is really the reason why I am still sober and more importantly why I have a life of balance. And, and not a life where, well, like I said, I, I didn't really even want to have a life at the end. Uh, there was a lot of guilt and shame and, and really, you know, self-abuse, self-punishment, self-destruction. So from, from going from that state to the state that I'm in now and me telling you, that I I would say that the majority or greater of of the impact is all coming from these meditative type of practices uh, that I practice every day.
0: Yeah, and, and it comes back to the common thing I keep hearing as I'm listening to you is the importance of focusing on each of these areas. Like you said, there's not many bodybuilders practicing the mindfulness and meditation. And it sounds to me like you instead of focusing like 80% of your effort on one area and then a little bit on everything else. You really need mm. to have like a nice balanced, consistent, uh, focus on each of these, these five areas. Um, cause it's funny. One of my next questions coming up was going to be like, um, for listeners of this show, like what is one piece of advice that you would give? Like, what is one area that you would focus on? But I already know the answer, which is going to be, like, <laughs> you, you can't, you can't sacrifice one of these areas. No,
1: no, um, you, you can't. And, and really I'm telling you, Paul, if there was only one area that I had to focus on and only had that amount of time. Time to focus on it, it, it would be the emotional facet, and in okay. fact, me doing it first thing in the morning tells you just that, first things yeah. first, it's the first thing that I tackle so therefore it's first on my importance list, because everything else sort of falls into line after that, if I can get myself in a, in a good balanced state, sort of mentally and emotionally, you know, then I'm going to have a lot more motivation and mental energy to stick on all the other sort of regimes that I have, my, my eating regime for example right uh, and keeping that sort of in check and in balance um, or you know getting to sleep on time and and not sort of having restless sleeps where uh, my mind is just out of control uh, worrying about this and worrying about that and interrupting my sleep so you can really see where it all really starts with the thing on our shoulders You know, the thing that we don't think we have much control over, well, heck, yeah, of course, if you're not focused on it, if if you're not spending any time on it, if if you don't think it's of all that importance, then, yeah, of course, that's what's going to happen. That's the consequence, right, where Mm -hmm. our lives feel like they're just out of control. And that's what most of my clients tell me, Paul. Like, they just say, uh, I feel like something's missing. I just don't feel like I'm in control of my life. Yeah. You know, those are the two top things that they say to me. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I know what's missing. It's them. It's their connection to themselves they just don't really know who they are anymore. And of course, they can't navigate. and and that's where it's really important to reach out to somebody. you know, and and that might just be something like a like a book or a real person, or just you know raising your hand and asking for help and getting over stepping over your ego like I had to do in order to to make that big leap where you can actually have a life that you do feel you have a lot of control never 100% control of course life on life's terms but a lot more than you know just feeling completely lost
0: yeah um, so so with this with this facet then the, the emotions and and regaining that sense of control could we take a bit of a deep dive on like the practical things that you can do you've already talked about some but what are some other things that you can do to really um Improve your life in terms of that emotional control and stability. Like, I mean, um, mindfulness and meditation obviously has been mentioned, but, um, what does your like morning routine look like? Could you talk us about that a bit more? Sure. Do you do journaling or, yes. or um, yes. reading, or what are the what are the real actionable things that people can do? Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've had to figure this out, Paul. Um, it was actually my recovery program that sort of led me into my morning routine, and it was things that uh, a lot of recovering addicts and alcoholics, uh, again, had to implement if they wanted to stay sober. So I took on a lot of different things, and I honed down onto what is a good fit for me. So for your listeners, you know, I just want them to listen and and try these things out uh, on, on a trial kind of basis. The first thing that I do, you mentioned journaling, yes, I, I use the five minute journal. Uh, A friend of mine actually uh, created that that journal. It's a gratitude journal. Yeah, Uh, yeah. I love to keep things simple. I really do. Uh, I think that's where the genius really is, Paul, in in sort of the complexity in our lives, especially in our own personal lives. If you can create simplicity within that, then that's where the genius lies, and that's really where we should be looking and, and doing and, and not on trying to make things complex. So, you know, the five-minute journal is literally five minutes. It's twice a day. It's once in the morning. And it's once in the evening. And it's almost like Tony Robbins calls uh, a primer. It's a primer for my, my next step in my morning ritual, which is just to stay st- still and silent. Really simple. Still and silent. Simple. But I'm telling you, Paul, most people have a real hard time with that like almost impossible so you know, this is where I tell people, well, can you do it for five minutes? I think that five minutes of sitting still and silent, all right, something magically happens after that fifth minute. And I've done, you know, uh, research with myself uh, being the my own sort of uh, guinea pig. And I've also had a lot of clients sort of go through this process of breaking down the resistance and the walls that they've built up. And maybe that's, you know, the stereotype of what mindfulness or meditation is and who does it and all of those kinds. Of things. But once they get past that five minute mark, that's when the mind really starts to slow down. And what I'm doing to have it slow down is focus. And it's sort of like this. This is sort of a metaphor. I don't know if you've ever seen um, uh, figure skaters or dancers and how they they sort of almost mysteriously are able to stay on point and spin around at revolutions that, you know, are just mind-blowing mm-hmm. and, and stay balanced and stay poised. And they use a technique called spotting. And all they're doing is they're picking a spot, perhaps, you know, it's on a wall, for example, and they are focusing on that spot, turning their head to keep contact or keep focus on it, and that's how they keep on point. So I've discovered that most of the meditation techniques are just that. So in our sort of mind, you can look at it as a solar system. Things are flying around, uh, you know, in some cases, uh, you know, Mach 1, and they're out of alignment, and they're out of balance, and all these kinds of things. So focus Focusing on one thing, so uh, from a visualization, which, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's very common sort of mindfulness, fi- mindfulness practice, it could be looking at a picture, it could be looking at a plant or a flower, all you're doing is you're focusing singly. Now that doesn't mean that other things sort of in your mind or your solar system won't distract you. They certainly will, but you just bring back your attention, your focus on that plant, that flower, that picture. There's body scanning, for example. You know, I, I do that occasionally as well, where again, all I'm doing is focusing on starting with my big toe and working myself up my leg, you know, into my hips, into my chest. Um, there's other techniques I use. Tapping is another one where I'm tapping on my forehead. I'm tapping on my heart with my two hands. And again, that's another form of focusing. I'm focusing my attention on tapping. So I can go on and on here, Paul. And, and I and I do so many different practices within my 20-minute morning ritual. But the whole point I want people to understand is there's no woo-woo-ness about it. All yeah. you're doing, okay, is trying to lock yourself down in, into one sort sort of uh, fixed and focused point of attention because there's just too many things flying around that you're trying to control in your own solar system, right? So the, the, the magic of it is that once you get one of these things sort of in alignment and in, in control and insight and in focus, all the other revolving parts seem to simmer down and get into alignment too, it's a it's a magical thing. It's mind blowing. It really is. Um, so this is what I really want to to, to make a distinction with is that it, there is plenty of techniques, but they all boil down to the same thing, and yes. that is sing- singular focus because you are trying to focus on everything that's revolving around way beyond your point of perception. It's just you know it's it's confusing. It's it's distracting. It's yeah, it's not where you want to be. That's for sure. And you def- definitely don't want to start your day off that way. No. And most people do. They hit the floor running.
0: Yeah. No, that's really, really good answer. Like, it reminds me a lot of um, in the Headspace app. This is the, the mm. meditation app that you've probably tried. Um, yes, remind- I had. They've got the little video of the guy, and, and for people that haven't used it, there's a little animation. And it says, uh-huh. you know, training the mind is a bit like imagine if you're sitting by the side of the road, and all you have to do is sit by the side of the road and, and watch the cars. Um, and it's a bit like the solar system that you mentioned. You know, you just have to, there's all this stuff going on around you, and all you need to do is just sit and observe and be aware of what's going on. But what tends to yes. happen is we like, we, we get um, kind of pulled to one car, or you, your mind basically focuses on one thing, and you get carried away with particular thoughts and ideas that really get us in a down Mm -hmm. mood or whatever it might be and you forget that all you have to do is have an awareness of of just letting the thoughts come and go and getting comfortable with Mm -hmm. that idea of letting thoughts come and go and not um Mm -hmm. getting carried away with a particular idea or emotion and so yeah it just reminded me a lot of that and that idea of like slowing down focus on one thing even if it's like a visual thing just just practice being able to focus on one thing for a little bit of time and um and kind of develop that self-control um, is really powerful and then obviously yeah just to recap on a couple of other points you mentioned the journaling yeah I've tried the five minute journal myself I really enjoy it I actually do need to get back into some journaling um, so no there's some really good practical advice there thank you
1: Yeah, thanks, Paul. I really hope it helps out your listeners. For anyone that's sort of struggling with that whole concept, because I know there's a lot of interest out there uh, for mindfulness and meditative-type practices, but again, there's a lot of resistance. Um, There's a lot of stereotype about it. So if you can sort of take a look at this from a different frame or different perspective, it might allow you to at least get started. And, you know, if you can do this, well, as the the app mentioned uh, that you were... uh, the uh, Um, Sorry, what was it called there? Um, Headspace. Headspace. Yeah, I think it's 10 days, actually. Mm. Yeah, that they ask you to do, because by 10 days, you're already seeing the noticeable effects of of who you are, who you are being during the Mm. day. And you will be different. You will be different when you start mindfulness meditative practices Uh, again. I can't say enough about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I think it definitely like the mindfulness and meditation stuff has really taken off in the last, like, I don't know, 12 to 24 months. I feel like there's Mm. way more people practicing it. Maybe it is just the apps on the phones now that are just making it easier. Um, but yeah, I do think there's a bit of a, bit of a movement going on.
1: Yeah. It's good to see.
0: Um, so, taking a bit of a bit of a change of topics, but um, as a as a business owner, a writer, and obviously you've got all these areas of your life you're trying to focus on as well. Could you talk to us a little bit about your own productivity workflow? Um, what are your typical? What are your? Um, you mentioned earlier today you haven't had too much of a productive day, but what is your kind of productivity workflow? Your system for managing your work and getting things done. What does that typically look like? And tools and apps that you're using as well.
1: Yeah, so I had a terrible day, productivity, and in fact, you know what, I actually, I I don't commonly meditate or, you know, take a time out or a pause in the afternoon, uh, and I only do when things are going a little bit crazy upstairs in my head, and they certainly were before this podcast, so I had to sort of screw my head on uh, properly before I got on this call, but um, yeah, so productivity for me is first things first um, and avoiding de- distractions. You know, I, 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 think it was about two years ago, I went through my phone and I really looked at every single app and I changed the notification so that I wouldn't be distracted and disturbed constantly. Um, and again, the first things first, what, what I use is a productivity planner. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that same craters as the uh, five minute journal, but, um, I use a productivity planner because it uh, really focuses on what is most important, you know, what, um if your if your day was to to end early and you didn't get whatever it was done what would that be uh, and really focuses on first things first and that's what I really need to do because I'm I'm getting distracted just like everybody else um, and then that's really one of the major tools that I use to keep me uh, in check throughout the day
0: yeah, I think turning off the notifications, getting rid of the distractions is is really important. And it's something I've done as well is like just really go through my phone settings to eliminate as much as I can um, in terms of the unnecessary noise. You know, some things like phone calls, obviously, I, I need to take um, phone calls a fair bit during the day. But um, like email and tweets and all the other stuff, I just turn right off. And I can, I can you know, deal with any notifications when I choose to go into that app if I need to. But that's something that's definitely helped me as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. And what about your health routine? Um, can you talk to us like on a weekly basis? How many times do you typically work out? What kind of workouts are you doing? Is it like quite a balanced routine of like cardio and resistance? Or um, yeah, what does what, what your kind of health routine look like?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's all about what we've been talking about, the simplicity and the focus on balance. So I do work out every day, but I'm not working out for very long. In fact, you know, most of my workouts are no longer than 20 or 40 minutes. Okay. And uh, yeah, they're a combination of, of what I call the, uh, the three essentials of exercise. And they would be uh, cardio calisthenics and cool-down. Cool-down is sort of your stretches and these kinds of things. So those three components, again, the cardio, the calisthenics, and the cool-down are worked into each of my workouts, and they're anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes. Uh, I'm a bodybuilder sort of by heart, so I like to pick up iron every once in a while. But the truth be known, and this is sort of you know what I teach, and it's it's also a big part of the uh, all-inclusive diet, the book that I wrote, it, it just really focuses on those three essentials, because just like with our food and our nutrition and supplementation, you can get really carried away, you can go down the rabbit hole, and you don't really need to, you know, just staying on the surface actually is going to have all the sort of necessities or the sustenance that you need in in a lot of the different areas of, the, of your life, yes, there always is going to be the newest and the greatest, I get it, and trust me, I've, I've went down many of those holes, and just found a dead, End to be honest with you, Um, it wasn't really cracked up to you know what it was marketed to be. And I go back to the basics, right? And and the basics, as far as exercise go, we need to move, we need to be actually gentle to our bodies, we don't need to be hard on them and beat on them. And this is sort of another sort of myth and a misconception. You know, of course, we want to stress our bodies, that's what exercise does for us, but. I find a lot of people that are trying to sort of make up for it, as I mentioned before, they're over-stressing their body. So I own a personal training club. I have clients coming in there, and they want us as personal trainers to destroy them like they have been sort of bad and they they want to be punished or something. It's a a really weird thing. Um, But, yeah, that's sort of what their expectations. And if we don't give it to them hard so that they're sort of limping out of there, not not injured, but, you know, we've really fatigued them, you know, to the point that uh, they're good for nothing else. If they don't feel that, they don't think they got their value. So what I've been teaching now is something quite the opposite that, you know, we should actually feel energized after our workout, not completely depleted and fatigued and good for nothing. That doesn't make any sense to me right so yeah that's the uh, the distinction with uh, looking at just minimizing the workout and trying to keep it at a moderate intensity not too easy not too hard and um, sort of you know doing it every day too the clients that we have in the personal training club that i own a lot of them again trying to make it up they'll come in two to three times a week on the average two So, you know, of course they expect to be bombarded. They're only going to dedicate two hours of their 168-hour week, which is less than 1%, to exercise or to movement. So uh, just look at the math there. You know, 1%? Well, what do you think the return's going to be? Not all that great. So I prefer to spread it out. It it actually is easier for the body so that you're not limping around for the rest of the week and sort of, you know, hating the whole exercise thing because it just hurts so much afterwards. And also sort of getting your mind into that routine so it doesn't have to think about it anymore. That I exercise every day. I I dedicate 20 minutes. And that's it. That's my only requirement. So I don't really think about it anymore. It's just something that I do. If I'm only doing it on Monday and Wednesday, I'm thinking about it. I really am, it's and I'll be negotiable,
0: like you said earlier. Yeah,
1: yeah, and if it's Monday and Wednesday, I'm already thinking, how can I get out of it? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Those mm-hmm.
0: those three areas you said: cardio, cool down. What was the 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 second one that you mentioned?
1: So this is calisthenics. So this is body weight exercises. So oh, no okay. apparatus, no weights, no nothing. Just you and gravity. Works wonders, Bruce Lee, uh, the famous Bruce Lee uh, in sort of martial arts and movies. He was the one that really... Uh, did a lot for calisthenics in regards to promoting awareness of it and just how uh, great it can be for developing. I call it the ABCs: the agility, balance, and coordination. But also the muscle toning, the muscle strengthening, and the the stretching of the muscles in in a safe and effective way. Uh, calisthenics is is just that. You can do it at your home, your hotel room. Yeah, there's no yeah. limitations. Uh, you know, there's some a few basic movements: lunges, squats dips push-ups a few more that's it yeah but those are sort of the grandmothers and the granddaddies of all exercises and they can all be done with your own body weight because gravity and your body weight typically is enough resistance to get the job done
0: yeah yeah Now i love body weight exercises i'm a i've mentioned before i'm a big crossfit fan and um which is probably a bit counter counter to what you were saying earlier about just like completely overworking and you do you, your work, <laughs> you, work. But, um, um,
1: you had to bring that up, huh?
0: Yeah, but um uh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. Like th- there's obviously a lot of lifting involved in CrossFit and, and I'm uh-huh. like on the smaller side and uh, I'm, I, I can lift, but I'm not by any means like a good, a great lifter. Um, but when it comes to the body weight, cause um, I, I think my uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm small, but I, you know, I can, I can handle my body. And when it comes to the pull-ups and burpees and things like I really do excel in those areas. I, and yeah. um, with the lifting it's, it's completely the opposite. So yeah, I really enjoy the body weight stuff in fact. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm just going to defend you there and how I see CrossFit is, CrossFit has uh, a lot of sort of controversy to it a lot of people like to talk about it and and um, I'm not a nonsayer I'm not a hater whatsoever I look at it as more of a sport it's it's more of an, an ath- yeah. athletic sort of endeavor or event and in athletics is always going to have that competitive spirit to it you're gonna push beyond that's just Competitive athletics, you know, I was a competitive bodybuilder. The things that we had to do to our body to win shows, you know, you probably don't even want to know what we had to do. You know, it was, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was very difficult. But um, that's where CrossFit's a little bit different. I don't really see that as traditional exercise. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to defend you on that one oh, that, uh, yeah, <laughs> you're doing the right thing for you. Thanks
0: Chris. Which well, is look, um, Hey, as we come to the end of the, the show here, um, do you have any final words of wisdom or advice or yeah, like key takeaways you really want people to pay attention to? I mean, you've actually already de- delivered so much value. So thank you first of all, cause there's, t- you've had, uh, you've, um, mentioned a lot of great tips and practical things that people can do. So I'm sure people have got a lot to think about, but yeah, do you have any kind of final words of wisdom of, of, wisdom or or key takeaways that you really want people to remember?
1: Yeah, I do actually and it comes down to the most important word in the English language uh, for me anyways and that is surrender that's a hard word for for people to even say uh, let alone do in their own lives and and uh, typically it's going to be done in your own mind Uh, there's not so much action it's more things of letting things go that uh, you're holding on to in your mind and you know a lot of Times those are resentments. For example, that's the number one culprit uh, when it comes to holding on to things. And, and you, when you're holding on to things, you're weighted down. When you're weighted down, you're not progressing. You're not going forward. And if you're not going forward, you know where you're going. You're going backwards because there's no standing still in life. So you know, if, if surrender is uh, a word that is just a, a little more um, you know challenging to say for you, then you know just letting go of the things that that you could let go of. You know, and this is. Sort of the baggage of the past in a lot of cases that is really anchoring you and not allowing you to take flight in your life and do the things that you know you could do if you were a little lighter.
0: Yeah, surrender. It comes back again to that kind of idea of giving yourself permission, um, like you mentioned earlier. So thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Chris, um, for people that want to learn um, more about you or check out what you're doing, where can they go online and and what? uh, Yeah, where, where can they do that?